Okay, so let's jump into today's message. Last week, we had a great start to this new series called Breakout. And what we're doing in this series is we're trying to break out of the slump that was 2020, and we're talking about how to have a better 2021, okay? And last week, we began with talking about optimism, okay? That even though 2021 hasn't started out much better than the previous year, here's what we're going to do as a church family— And in our spiritual life, we're going to remain optimistic and believe that God has great things in store for those who remain faithful and put their trust in him. And last week I shared with you, no matter what's going on, eight great reasons from Romans 8 to remain positive. No matter what's happening, no matter what happens in 2021, you have every reason to remain optimistic about who God is and what he has in store for your life. And if you miss that, you can go back online and you can catch up. But building off of that, what I want to talk about next that goes right along with optimism is gratitude and being thankful. And let me just start off by saying, you know what, I can't stand, I I have a hard time with critical attitudes. I really do. And and it's, it's amazing to me, and it's really hard right now because everybody seems to be, and there's so much complaining around me right now. There's so many things to be critical about. People can be so critical and they can find something in every situation to complain about. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, I struggle with this. I struggle with complaining. And sometimes I get on my own nerves because I can be so critical at times. In fact, I made a list of my top five things that I like to complain about. Let's see if any of these crack your top five, okay? So at the top of my list, number five is cutting in line. How many of y'all, let me see, raise your hands. If somebody cuts in line, yes, around you, oh, it just gets on my nerves. I can't sit. Some of y'all are just getting stressed out just thinking about it. If you want to put me in a stressful situation, put me in a glob of people that are waiting to get in somewhere, and there's no real line. And I'm just looking around, and I'm like, I don't know who's next, but I know I'm in front of you, so don't even think about it, right? That's number five, cutting in line. Number four is cold weather. I don't like the cold weather. In fact, we just got back from our trip. We took a little winter adventure that I'm going to be talk, um, telling you some stories about. And we were in snow up to our waist, and the idea was, was to sit back in the snow and create a chair and just kind of sit there. So we all kind of sat back in the snow, but what I wasn't prepared for was all the snow that went up my jacket And then when I stood up, it went down my pants. And I was like, I'm done. I'm out. Y'all have fun sitting in the snow. I'll be inside. Um, Cold weather, I don't like it. Number three, I complain about slow Wi-Fi. Let me see. Raise your hand. Slow Wi-Fi. Everybody in Harris County probably has their hands up. Um, Slow Wi-Fi. When that little wheel comes on while I'm watching a movie, I'm like, what what am I living in the 90s? Like, what is is the problem here? Number two is traffic. Traffic. Mmm. Gets me every time. I have nightmares about 285 and being stuck um, on the interstate. And the number one, I think we can all agree, is political ads. Oh, <laughs> that was the best way. I got a strong reaction. I think no matter what side of the aisle you're on, I think we can all praise Jesus that the election is over, right? Can I get an amen? Oh, my gosh. Um, every day it was the phone calls. It was the direct... Clay and I would text each other to see who got more direct mailers in one day. You know, each day, we'd, I got 10 today. How many? Do you, I got 10 in one day. Did anybody get more than 10 in one day? 
Is it, why are they focused on me so much? <laughs> anyway, those drive me crazy. So you know what? Those are some of the things that I like to complain about. You probably have your own top five list, but I started thinking about it and how many things we complain about. When the reality is, is that our lives are actually pretty good, aren't they? I mean, think about it. Think about how good your life is and then think about how much we complain. Let me give you a couple of, let me give you a couple of illustrations to go along with this. We have cars. We have cars that most of the world don't have their own car. And yet we have multiple cars in our home. And in our car, some of us have fancy touchscreens that do all these kind of things. Some of us have fancy butt warmers. Can I say butt in church? Or they have air that, air that blows on your derriere. Some of y'all have that. And that's nice in the summer, right? And yet, even though most of the world doesn't have what we have, we still complain. And we complain that we don't have the newest car or that our car gets terrible gas mileage. We have refrigerators that are full that keep our food fresh. And most of the time, I don't know about you, but sometimes when we do our grocery shopping, I've got to throw stuff out in order to put stuff in. And yet, how many times do we go to our refrigerators, we open the door, and we look inside, and we say, I have nothing to eat. We have closets that are full of clothes. And some of y'all have so many clothes that you have commandeered the spare bedroom closet to hold all of your shirts or extra shoes. Um, those things. And yet, how many times do we open up our closet and we look inside and we say, I have nothing to wear? It's amazing. It's amazing how blessed we are. And at the same time, how ungrateful we can be. I actually think that we all have something in common. Everybody in this room, everybody worshiping online, we all have something common in the fact that we are not by nature grateful people. Okay, I think all of us struggle with this in some or in a lot of areas of our lives. We're always wanting something more. We're always wanting something better. We're always wanting something faster. And maybe in 2021... In order to have a breakout kind of year, in order to get past the slump that we were in last year, I know that there's a lot that we can complain about, but maybe, just maybe, we start living with a heart filled with gratitude and see if that doesn't change things a little bit. It's interesting because researchers tell us that gratitude is often the key to happiness. In fact, I read a New York Times article that stated that acting great, just acting grateful makes you happy. Okay, and in 2003, they did a study comparison with people who kept a weekly list of the things that they were grateful for, and then they compared it with other people who kept a list of the things that irritated them. And here's what they found. They concluded that acting grateful can actually make you happy. And a conscious focus on blessings, on the blessings that we all have, may have, may have, emotional, and interpersonal benefits. But we know this. We know this because science is only reiterating and, and only stating what Scripture teaches us. We know that gratitude makes us more generous, more encouraging, and more thankful. There are so many benefits that gratitude unlocks in our lives. There are so many positive qualities 
So that with all that being said, I really think that one of the secrets to maybe having a, a better year is learning to have more of a heart that is filled with gratitude no matter what is going on around us. So let's talk about that this morning. I want to talk through some statements that will help us kind of live out an attitude of gratitude and help us move into this new year and have a more positive experience this year. But before we do that, I want to jump into a piece of scripture. We're going to look at Luke chapter 17 this morning. And in Luke chapter 17, we have the story of a group of lepers. Lepers that come to Jesus to be healed. And this story teaches us all about gratitude. And if you've never heard this story before, you're in for a real treat. And if you're online with us, you can go um, open up your message notes and follow along. Everybody here, we're going to have this up on the screen for us as we read through Luke 17. So here we go. Let's start off in verse number 11. It says, It happened that as he, Jesus, this story is about Jesus, as Jesus made his way towards Jerusalem, he crossed over the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, ten men, all lepers, met him. They kept their distance, but they raised their voices. They're calling out, they're crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Okay, let's pause for just a minute. But let me just start off by asking, how many men? How many men? Somebody said, Ten. That's right. There were 10 men, that's right. Now, it's easy for us to kind of pass over this story because some of us have heard of this, and it's kind of easy for us to just kind of move past this because of the whole leprosy thing. We've heard about that in Bible stories, and it's not really something that we have to worry about in the U.S., but at this time, having leprosy was a really big deal. In fact, much worse than this, but imagine having COVID for the rest of your life with the no hope, with no hope of ever having a cure. Now that, that kind of, maybe, is kind of what they're going through. They are, lepers are quarantined forever with no hope at all, unless, unless they are somehow miraculously healed. In fact, it's so bad in Leviticus, Leviticus 13, we find rules associated with how lepers are supposed to live and how we are supposed to have come into contact with them. And there were certain things that they had to do, like when they entered into town, they had to wear ripped clothing. They had to mess up their hair so that it was obvious that something was wrong with them so that you would know to stay away from them. They had to always have their mouth closed. They couldn't breathe openly for fear of spreading the leprosy, which is what they thought at that time. Anytime that they walked into a crowded area, they always had to yell, unclean, unclean, every time. It's kind of like me after I take a run. When I come back inside, I got to say, I stink, I stink, so that Shannon stays away from me. Okay, that joke went really bad. <laughs> but that's kind of what was going on. I, unclean, unclean, so that nobody, nobody came near them. So their lives, they're filled with rejection. And on top of that, their bodies hurt. Their sores are oozing. They actually lose body parts. Think about this. Years and years and years of suffering without any support. So when they see Jesus, man, here's the great healer. Here's the hope that we're looking for. So they cry out, they yell out with everything in the depths of their souls. They are yelling out for him, please, please, please have mercy on us. So let's see what Jesus does next. Verses 14, he says this. 
Taking a good look at them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. And they went. And while still on their way, they became clean. They were healed. And then one of them, when he realized that he was healed, he turned around and came back, shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful, he couldn't thank Jesus enough, and he was a Samaritan. So, we had 10 at the beginning. How many came back? How many came back? One. One. And then, and then at the very end, and he was a Samaritan. This is a big deal. Because Jesus was a Jew. Jews didn't get along with Samaritans at the time. I mean, think, think Cobra Kai Miyagi-Do. Okay, like, two, man, some of y'all got that. The others of y'all, okay, I'm going to work on it, okay? All right, it's going to get better. Just this big separation between the two. This takes the gratitude, the fact that it was Samaritan, takes the gratitude up to a whole nother level. So Jesus asks them, somebody still likes it, they're still laughing over here. Verse 17, Jesus says this. He says, we're not ten healed, where are the other nine? Can none be found to come back and give glory to God except this outsider? The outsider being the Samaritan. And then he said to him, get up on your way. Your faith has healed you and saved you. So 10 lives here are transformed. 10 lives are transformed from no hope now to a normal life. And only one, only one out of the 10 came back with a heart filled of gratitude. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be that one, right? If there's one out of 10, if there's one out of 100, if there's one out of a thousand, I want to be the one that comes, no matter what happens in life, and kneels down before Jesus with a heart filled with gratitude. I want to be that one. How, how do we do that? How can we be that one? Right? How do we... How do we live that out? How does that actually take place? In light of everything that we have going on and how challenging it is right now, like what are some of the things that we can do that will help us be more grateful this year? I want to give you three statements. Okay, I want to give you three statements that I learned from Life Church that will help you with gratitude this year. And if you're willing, here's what I think. If you're willing to live into these statements, no matter what happens next, no matter how hard it gets, I think that you'll have a breakout kind of year. I think things will be way better than they were last year. And these three statements come from three verses. And in each one of these statements, I want to talk just a little bit about our winter adventure that we took and just share some of those stories with you. So here we go. Let's jump into point number one. Every good thing comes from God. Every good thing comes from God. That's your first statement. That's what I want you to know. That's what I want you to repeat to yourself. That's what I want you to remember when you go from here. Every good thing comes from God. And James, the brother of Jesus, he puts it this way. He says, whatever is good and whatever is perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Everything good we have in life, everything good we experience, it comes from him. So a couple of weeks ago during winter uh, break, we took a little um, trip over to Utah. Um, you know, one of our goals, Shannon 
and myself, we have a goal of trying to touch all the states. And so we haven't been there yet, so we figured we'd take a little trip and, and do some things out there. And one of the things that we did was we went snowmobiling. I've, I've never um, been snowmobiling out there. How many of y'all have ever tried a snowmobile? Let me see. Okay, good, good, good. So we went out the first day, and we're still trying to get used to it. And we're, we're riding two-by-twos, and, and he took us to this open field. It was probably two or three football fields long so that we could just get used to the snowmobiles and, like, take them out and get them. He, he was like, just, just take them out and, you know, take them as fast as you want to and just get a feel for them. And so we were riding by twos, so I jumped off, and I let Abby go. And Abby is flying, flying. She comes back, and she pulls up to me and Shannon. She goes, I got mine up to 60 miles an hour. And Shannon goes, that's too fast, slow down. And I was like, can it go 70? <laughs> anyway, so once we were done with that and, and we got used to them, it was back to riding twos. And I let Abby drive because she was so excited about it. So I'm just sitting on the back of it, which is kind of cool for me because I never get a chance to just kind of sit. I'm always the one driving everywhere we always go. And so I'm just sitting there. And I'm just looking around and just admiring just having a chance to just really take in God's creation. And I'm looking at everything. And I'm just amazed by his creation. And everything, how scripture says it all points to his glory. And I'm thinking to myself as we're riding along, I'm just like, every good thing, it all comes from God. Like, you know that you have good things in your life that God has given you, right? You know how much good God has given you in your life. Well, when you think about the biblical characters, you know that every good thing that happens in Scripture, it all comes from God. I mean, think about Noah. Noah building the ark, right? I mean, the plans for the ark, the idea for the ark, that all came from God, right? Think about God feeding bread to the Israelites while they were in the wilderness that came from God. David, when he found the rock, and not only to find the rock, but to have the skill to throw that rock and hit Goliath in the head, that all came from God. A teenage girl being able to say yes and give birth to the Son of God here on this earth, even though she was a virgin, all of that came from God. Every good thing. God, God has given us each so much. So much. He's given you an incredible creation to live in, to marvel at. And, and scripture says, like I said, every, everything in creation, it points to his glory, it points to his goodness. He gives us this peace that we can have no matter what's going on that, that, that just passes all understanding. It's just supernatural. He gives us the, the, the Holy Spirit to comfort us and to counsel us. He gives us his word to guide us. He gives us a church family to strengthen our spiritual growth. Every good and perfect thing we have comes from God. And sometimes, sometimes we need to remember that. Sometimes we need to remember that God is good, that God can never not be good. And when we embrace this and when we remember this, it changes our attitude. So instead of having this attitude of entitlement all the time, maybe it's good for us every now and then just to pause and have an attitude of gratitude for a good God that provides so many good things in our lives. I'll remember, I will remember, 
that every good thing I have, it comes from God. The second statement that I want you to know is that I'm not going to let what I want rob me of what I have. I'm not going to let what I want rob me of what I already have. Now, I don't know about you, but like I said earlier, there are so many of us that want better, right? We want a better car. We want a better house. We want better countertops because everything tastes better when they're on a different type of granite or a different type of quartz, right? Like, we want different things and we want better things. So King Solomon, he puts it this way. Here's another great life hack and one of the things that we'll get into in our study together. He says, it's better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. It's better to be satisfied with what you have than always wanting something else. And that's true. It's better to embrace what God has given you rather than always wanting something more. And, and here's how this plays out. When we remember this statement and when we live this, live this out, when we have gratitude, gratitude takes what we have in life and it makes it enough. Let me say that again. Gratitude takes what we have in life and makes it enough. And when that happens, we're happy. Grateful people are always happy people because they have learned this statement. They they don't let what they want rob them of what they already have to enjoy. So maybe this is a statement that we can take into this new year. And you know what? I'm not trying to say not to have goals in life. Like, I'm not trying to say not to go after bigger and better when it comes to your life. But what I'm saying is, is that what you're relying on for happiness? Because if it is, then it's wrong. Because my joy and my strength, my happiness in life, it comes through being satisfied in Christ. And Christ is enough for me. I don't need these other things in order to fill my worth. I'm worthy in Christ. I don't need these other things in order to be happy. I'm happy in Christ. He is enough. So what if in this year, instead of always chasing after bigger, better, faster, whatever it is, maybe, maybe we choose to be grateful for what we already have. And let's see how that changes things a little bit. Let me give you another example. We, we hit a little snag in our trip when we tried to go, and this one drove me crazy. We had an early flight out, so instead of getting up at 4 a.m. to try to make the flight, we decided, you know what, we got some points on for hotel stays, so we went up the night before, and we had dinner out, and we checked in a hotel, and we were getting ready, and when we were checking in the hotel, I opened up my wallet and noticed that my license was missing. I had no identification on me whatsoever. And so I freak out for just a minute because I can't get my boarding pass. I can't get past TSA. I can't, I can't do anything without some form of ID. I don't have my passport either. You know, that's not something I carry around, of course. So I had nothing. And then, it, and then it dawned on me, I left it sitting on my desk at home. Now, I don't know about you, but I get very critical and I, get, and I complain and I get very upset when I make careless mistakes. And this was one of those that just drove me crazy. So I checked everybody into the hotel. I had no other option, but I had to drive back to Columbus to get it. And on the ride back home, at the beginning of it, I'm just furious. I'm so upset with myself. But then I thought, I actually thought about this statement, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to let what I want in this situation rob me of what I have. 
Because what I want is not to worry about this. What I want is my license in my wallet. What I want is not to have to drive all the way back in order to get it. And then I started thinking about how fortunate I was. I'm fortunate in the fact that I found it missing the night before and not when we're actually trying to go through the airport because then I would have missed my flight. I'm fortunate in the fact that we checked into the hotel early enough. I could still get back by 1030. It's not too late. I'm fortunate enough that there's no traffic on the road. I'm fortunate enough to have some time to spend with my family and to get away. So you know what? I could be angry and I could let this set the course for the next couple of days, but instead I'm not going to let what I want rob me of what I have. Let me give you another way to look at this. Sometimes what I'll do is when I get really frustrated and I'm eager to complain or be critical about something that I don't have in life, and I let that not having it rob me of any happiness, I try playing out in my mind how I would explain that to someone living in a third world country. This is a good exercise to do. I was fortunate enough in my mid-20s, to be able to go to Honduras and to help a family in need there. Delio's family lived on the dirt in a one-roomed, thatched house. Our goal was to pour cement so that they wouldn't have to sleep on the dirt. So anytime, anytime I get frustrated, anytime I feel like complaining about stuff, something, sometimes I'll think back in my mind of that experience and I'll try to explain why I'm so frustrated and why I'm so upset and what is robbing my happiness and I try to explain that to Delio. And it just kind of puts things into perspective and I come out of that conversation in my head feeling about this tall. You know what Paul says? Paul says in Philippians 4, he talks about learning to be content. And I've talked about this before, and I, and I know we kind of talked about this in, the, in, a, in a sermon just a little while back, but I wanted to hit this again. Paul says, you know what? I know what it's like to be in need and to have plenty. He's like, I know what it's like to be hungry and to have too much food. I know what it's like to have a lot of stuff and then have nothing. And he says, but in all of that, he says, I have learned the secret to happiness in life is learning to be content. And he says, do you want to know how I learned to be content? Do you know how I fight that struggle of not letting stuff rob me of my happiness? He, he, and he, it's almost like he draws you in and he's like, let me tell you the secret. The secret is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Every one of us knows that verse. You've all heard that verse growing up in church. And if you're not familiar with church, you're not familiar with the Bible, you've probably seen that posted a couple of times. But did you realize that Philippians 4.13, that having strength in Christ, that Paul is actually using that to talk about how he finds strength to be content in life. Did you know that that was about being and finding contentment? Paul was like, we need help with this. And the source of the help, the source of the strength that we need, it, it, it comes from Christ. Paul got to a place in his life where Christ was all he had. And until Christ is all you have, you may not ever know that Christ is really what you need. But when you get to that place, you realize what a blessing it is to have Christ. Even if, no matter if I have a little or a lot, he's what matters. He's what satisfies me. He is what I need. So no matter what happens in life, I'm not going to let what I want rob me of what I already have. 
of what God has blessed me with. And the third thing, the third thing, is speaking about those blessings, is that I'm going to turn every blessing into praise. I'm going to turn every blessing that I have in life, and I'm going to look for those opportunities to find the blessings in life, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a minute when I find a blessing, and I'm going to turn that into praise. Why do we do this? Why, why should we do this? I've heard a lot of preachers, and I've, uh, I've, I've seen this phrase coined all over the place. And here's, here it is. It says, it's because every blessing we don't turn back to God can turn into pride. Let me say that again. It's because every blessing we don't turn back into praise can turn into pride. And we know this is true. Because how many times do we get a blessing in life? How many times do we look at what we have in life when we say, well, I deserve that. Well, I earned that. Well, that was awarded to me because I did something. And you know what? Honestly, I deserve more. I could do better. How, how does that sound? How does that sound to God up in heaven when we do that? It sounds kind of prideful, doesn't it? King David put it this way in Psalm 63. He says, I'm going to praise you, God, as long as I live. Lifting my hands up to you in prayer, you satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. He says, I will praise you as long as I live. Why? Because you are what satisfies me. I find my satisfaction in you. How do we turn our blessings back into praise? Like, how does that work? Let me give you another exercise to do, okay, as we close this time out. One more exercise, okay, but before we get into that, I'm going to tell you one more story. When we were out, um, that kind of leads into this exercise, when we were out uh, west enjoying some time together, we uh, went skiing, and I love skiing. How many of y'all enjoy skiing? Let me see your hands. Okay, good, good, good. We got a ski trip coming up, and I'm a product of growing up in the church, which is why I like skiing, is because our churches always went skiing, so I've kind of skied everywhere, but I've never skied in this area, so I was excited about it. So we got up to the top of the lift. We do all the pictures and everything at the top of the mountain, and then Abby and I are so excited. We turn to Shannon and Say, who like to take a little bit slow. You know, we're, we're, the, we're kind of the faster ones, and we're like, all right, we're going to race to the bottom, and we'll see you all later. Eat our snow dust. Right, so we are heading down the hill. We get all the way down to the bottom, and I get a phone call from Say. And Say says, Mom's just lost her phone. She said, Can you come back up and help us look for it? So we ski back down to the lift. It's about a 20 minute ride back up to the top. And so as we're riding the lift, I said a little prayer to God. And I said, God, I don't know if you really care about this or not. I said, But if you could help us find this phone, that'd be pretty cool. And you know, the hard thing about finding the phone, not having a phone, you know, being disconnected, but really it's the pictures and the videos and everything that Shannon has taken while we were on the trip, and now it's all lost. And As I'm riding the lift, I'm thinking, what are the chances of, the, of us actually finding a phone on the side of a mountain in the snow? And I said, probably less than 10% chance. Not very good odds. And then when I get off the lift and I see people zigzagging around, all the snow spraying up, I'm like, yeah, there's no chance. There's no chance whatsoever. So Abby and I are skiing along taking it real slow. Abby skis to this spot, and she just, she stops, and she kind of looks around, and all of a sudden, after she stops, she hears an alarm. Now, we couldn't call the phone because it's on vibrate. She hears this alarm going off, and she looks around. There's nothing to be seen, so she follows. She skis down to where the sound is coming from. She wipes the snow, and there, buried under the snow, was Shannon's phone. What are the chances of that happening? 
Shannon, the day before, she had set her alarm to go off at 1.30 so that she could check into the next day's flights. But what are the chances that Abby, out of that whole side of the mountain, she stops at that one place, that the alarm is set for that particular time, that the phone still works after being buried in the snow for 20 minutes or however long? I, I don't know what the percentage of that is, but it's very minimal. And so, When we found the phone, we went back down, and instead of giving praise to anyone else, we just looked back, and we were like, God is so good. (laughs) Like, he even answers the little prayers. But we turned that little blessing into a praise. We were like, I mean, this had to be God at work in such a little way just to show us that he's with us. So here's the exercise today. I thought about this, and I was like, you know what? Next time, if you're looking for a blessing to turn back into a praise, maybe just for a minute, think about something that's been taken from you. Think, think about something that you have that's been taken from you, and you don't have it anymore. That could be a phone. We're all tied to our phones. Maybe that's not a big deal. Maybe it's your job, and you want to complain about it. Think for a minute that it's been taken away from you, and you don't have that anymore. Maybe it's a family member that you're arguing with, that you're not having, maybe they have left for whatever reason or there's no longer any communication with them or whatever is the case. And then think about getting it back. Pretend like you get it back. Your job, even though you didn't like it, you got it back and you have a paycheck again. Your spouse, even though things were rough, you're back together again. Your health, even though there was a scare and with everybody, you know, and all the sickness going on and you're healthy at this time, you know, you know, think about your health being taken and then you get it back. Suddenly you start thanking God for what you already have and you turn those blessings, sometimes we fail to notice them, but they are blessings and we turn those into praise. So God, you know what? I'm gonna thank you for my, I feel great today. I'm gonna thank you for my health. Because I know at any moment I could get sick and I know things could change. So I'm going to thank, I'm going to thank you for my friends. Even though I can't see them uh, all that much right now with everything going on, I'm going to thank you that I have friendships in my life. I know it's tough right now and, and it's hard to be in worship together. So you know what, God? I'm going to thank you for online worship that we have a way of connecting together. You know, I'm, even though I want more things for my home and we keep trying to do some updates, God, I thank you that my home isn't taken away from me, that I have a chance and a place to, to be safe and have a roof over my head and a bed to sleep in. You know, when we pause just to recognize those blessings that we have in life that we tend to take for granted and we turn them into praise, ah, it changes so much. And it changes our attitude. So you know what? Let me close this out. Like I said last week, we're going to remain positive as we move into this new year because because we serve a really good God. And we're going to remember that every good thing we have comes from God. And we're not going to let what we want in life rob us of what he's already given us. And we're going to remember to turn every blessing, no matter how small it is, we're going to turn those into moments of praise because God is worthy. Let me leave you with one more piece of scripture from Psalm 103. And we'll just close with this. The psalmist says, let all I I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he does for me. He forgives my sins. 
He heals my diseases, he redeems me from death, and he crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. He fills my life with good things. He really does, doesn't he? So you know what? I'm not going to wait for this year to get better in order to be happy. I'm not going to wait for 2021 to get better before I start having an attitude of gratitude. Because you know what? That may take a while. So instead, what I'm going to do and what I offer to you is to start being grateful right here and right now. Be a grateful person because grateful people are happy people. And honestly, I have every reason. And so do you. To be grateful to a good an awesome, powerful, and loving God. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this time. And I thank you for this reminder. God, we really do have every reason to give you thanks. No matter what is going on in our world, and we pray for our world, no matter what is going on in our nation, and we pray for unity, and we pray for our nation, and we pray for everything that's ahead of us, no matter what's going on in our family, and we we pray for our families or in our lives, God, you, no matter what's happening, God, you are good, and you still love us. And God, you have saved us for eternity, and you are still Lord over all. So God, as we continue to move into 2021, God, we're going to remember that every good thing comes from you. And we're going to learn to be more content and not let what we want rob us of what's already been given to us. And we're going to do our best, God, to turn every blessing we have back into praise because one of the ways to have a better year this year, God, is learning to be grateful. And your word reminds us that that's a key. That's so important for a better life. So God, in a world filled with negativity and critical spirits, God, we want to be the one. Even if it's one out of 10, even if it's one out of 100, God, we want to be the one that bows before you with a grateful heart. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. And we have every reason to give you thanks this morning. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen.